I've got a question first up, and it's a, it's a, anyone here ever been in a car rally? All right, so when I talk about car rally, I'm not talking about rally car racing, like on a dirt track, although that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Uh, an old school, like, youth group car rally. Has anybody done it? Give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, I'll explain. It was a bit of like this, bit of an old school youth event because uh, to do it now, the paperwork you need to fill out is insane. So you can't really do car rallies. Um, But what would happen is you would have a car and a car load of, of people and you would all start off at the same place and you'd, be get, you'd get given a bunch of clues, a bunch of th- clues as to where the next hint was or what the next activity was. There'd sometimes be like quiz questions. I remember having to count all the trees along the Grove Way or Golden Way. I can't remember which one it is. But we had to count all the trees on that. And if you get the next clue, like if you get the clue right or the destination right, it leads you to the next point. And so what would happen at the car rally is that you would hope everyone would end up at the same destination at the end. But usually there were phone calls having to be made. Uh, he's not here. Jacob, the first car rally I ever went on was with Jacob Hodge's dad, Matt. Do you know, does anyone knows Matt? And this, this is a total side note. We went through Macca's drive-thru. This was a defining moment in my life. Went through Macca's drive-thru and Matt Matt ordered 20 nuggets. And I was like, awesome. This guy's so generous, 20 nuggets. And then he turned to the back row and said, what do you boys want? (laughs) I was like, one person can eat 20 nuggets. That's my life goal. Uh, And I've accomplished it. Um, Anyway. We're looking at the book of John. We, we started last week. We're, we're just spending a couple of quick weeks in John. And uh, John, the book of John is kind of like a car rally, I reckon. John is giving us, along the way, tips and clues and, and signs as to who Jesus is. He's leading us to a destination where we get to find out or we get to answer the question, who do we say Jesus is for ourselves? Most of the book of John, uh, the book of John is different from the other Gospels. I think I mentioned this last week. Matthew, Mark and Luke are what we call the synoptic Gospels and there's lots of similarities in their story. They kind of tell the story as it is, especially Luke gives lots of detail, an accurate kind of Uh, portrayal of Jesus' life. John takes us on a very different journey. And the book of John, actually most of the book of John is kind of the last week of Jesus' life. And so so he kind of, he splits up the book a little bit different. Um, A third of the book of John is about Jesus' last 24 hours. But in the first 11 chapters, John is very selective about the miracles and the signs that he talks about. Um, And he includes seven miracles, seven miracles uh, for us to look at. And within these seven miracles that John kind of puts to us, we hope to gain a better understanding of who Jesus is. And hopefully we also come to the conclusion that Jesus is. Is God, that Jesus is who John says he is. 
You with me? Yeah, cool. We're going to look at a story, uh, which is one of the miracles John has included in the seven. So we, we're going to have a look at why he included it, but we're also going in numeric order. Last week, we looked at the first miracle. Can anyone remember? Water to wine. Does anyone remember? Because it still blows me away. How many litres of wine? 450. Trish remembers. She's been thinking about it all week. He turned 450 litres of, well, he made 450 litres of wine. Like That's a party. Like we said, don't tell William Booth. Um, John 4, starting at 46, we're going to look at this scripture together. Thank you, Reno. As he travelled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, the fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realised that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Can we pray and then let's have a look at this together. God, you are good. Uh, we've sung of your goodness, your, your beauty, your power. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. You speak truth through your word. Uh, this morning we come humbly before the word and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you transform us, that you change us, that you make us whole in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is uh, a simple little story. Um, uh, do we notice where the story takes place? We're back in Cana, where the wedding had taken place uh, a couple of chapters earlier. Same place where the miracle happened. Um, Jesus had gone down south to Jerusalem. He had then kind of worked his way back up through Samaria, back up to Galilee, kind of in the north. Um, I can imagine by the time Jesus was back in Cana, the people knew who he was, right? Remember, 450 litres of wine. I think word would have spread. He, he, this miracle happened at this wedding. He left soon after. And I reckon by the time he got back to Cana, there was a bit of a buzz about who Jesus is, right? Can you imagine word would have spread? Oh, come on. That, that's pretty, pretty crazy thing. And I thought, um, I thought we'll have a bit of a look uh, at this context that might unlock some extra meaning around this story. Because it is a simple, kind of straightforward story from the outset. Um, but let's have a look. Firstly, who knows that we sometimes overlook the most obvious stuff or, or familiar things? 
I, I was thinking about it actually in the middle of worship. Who knows we've sung that song, What a Beautiful Name, maybe a thousand times. It feels like that at least. But who knows that sometimes we can just miss the obvious in the song. We can miss the fact that Jesus is incredible. Can't we? We can say the words, but we can sometimes just forget or it becomes too familiar with the story. And from the outset, this story, we can just say it's another story where Jesus healed. But let's think about it for a second. An official came to Jesus. And we'll talk about how far away it was. Jesus says the words. The official goes home and the boy is living. Jesus is incredible. If there's one thing that I want you to to go away in awe and wonder of, it's of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we can, we can say nice words, we can sing nice songs, but we should be overtaken by the awe and wonder of our Lord Jesus, shouldn't we? He is wonderful. His name is beautiful. The things He does are powerful. Can I get one amen? Amen, right? That's one thing that we shouldn't look over in this story. How incredible is Jesus? The official was from Capernaum. Now, I should have brought up a map, but I'm probably the only person who cares about maps. But Capernaum was about 20 miles, right? 20 miles away from Galilee, which means Jesus healed a boy who was more than half a day's travel away from where he was. He didn't have to touch the boy. We see in most stories where Jesus heals that that he touches the person that, that he's healing. He didn't have to lay hands on him. He didn't even have to see the boy in front of him. Jesus just said it and it happened. I like that John included the, the little bit about the servants informing the official that uh, of what time the boy got better. You know, like it matched up the stories. And the guy was like, yes, that's the exact time that Jesus said this. I love that. It was kind of like Jesus healed him via Wi-Fi. Does anyone love good Wi-Fi connection? Who knows, like I I watched some TV last night and I didn't have to get up from the couch. I know remotes have been around for a while, but I used my phone and I was able to control Apple TV and I could control the front room too from my phone. But Jesus in this miracle is more than half a day away travel. And he says the word and the boy is healed. Can I tell you that in the story, in the Gospels, uh, this is a story that hasn't been told before. Where Jesus is saying something. There's no healing or there's no laying of of hands, but a boy is healed in a remote place just because Jesus says the word. Can I tell you that there is good news for us this morning in that story? God is above the laws of nature. God is above natural law. And if God wills it, can I tell you, it will happen. Is that good news for us this morning? That if God wills it, it can happen. God is above natural law. You know, we talk about we have a supernatural God, don't we? The things that we can do, God's abilities are far above that, aren't they? 
He created something out of nothing. And that something was the whole universe. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's supernatural. We have a God that we just, we pray. And we don't have to see God, but we can respond in faith because we have a God who can do it. Amen? Amen? God is a healer and He is above natural law. I know that we have testimony in this room that a doctor said it can't be healed. And we have a God who has healed it. Amen? A God who can heal above natural law. Okay, so let's add a little bit more to this story. I don't know if you know this, but the English language, I've said it so many times, is weird and it's really hard to learn if you never learned English before. But it is actually limited sometimes. We kind of condense a few different meanings into one word. And the, the usual example I'd use is the word love in Greek. We have four Greek words that mean love or translated to love. And they, they kind of have slightly different meanings each. Um, but we just say love, you know, just cover it all with one. Well, the Greek, uh, there's another word that's kind of a bit similar. And it's used in this. And that is the word heal. And in Greek, and I'm not going to even try and pronounce the Greek, um, but there, there are three words for heal in Greek. In fact, there's actually four. There's a little fourth one that, yep, yeah, anyway. Uh, but mostly three. The fourth one's a little bit different. Uh, but they're translated as heal. So when we see uh, heal in Scripture, especially in the New Testament translated from the Greek, it can mean a few different things. Now, the word used in this passage for heal is the same word used in all the rest of the Gospels as to make whole. It's not like a doctor heals or cures something. It's actually a healing that means to make whole, to, to restore. And the context isn't just an idea of physical healing, but it's holistic healing. It actually is spiritual healing, restoration, full restoration. And I want to tell you that John doesn't, he does things on purpose. It's no coincidence that he used that version of heal in this story. Because he uses the other word for heal in other chapters around it. John is trying to tell us something. And this is something that I want us to catch this morning. Can I tell you, Jesus is a giver of life, isn't he? He's a giver of of life. And he can heal us now of physical ailments, and I believe that wholeheartedly. But also, he can heal us for eternity. He can heal us now of whatever is going on in our lives right now. But he also has another agenda, and that isn't just for temporary healing, but it's for eternal healing. For forever healing. Can I tell you, church, this morning, we have a God who wants to see you fully healed. Yeah? He doesn't want just a Band-Aid. He doesn't want to fix the scrape on your knee and, you know, come back later. That's a terrible example. But he doesn't want to just heal for now. When Jesus is talking about healing, he is talking about making whole, restoring fully. Jesus is in the business of total 
long-term, holistic, eternal transformation. Amen? We see, the, um, we see after the dad kind of returns home, uh, he hears the good news on his way home about his son living and being healed. We see then the, the official goes home and his household is healed. His household believes in Jesus. His household follows Jesus. Am I making sense? The healing wasn't just for the boy's sickness at the time. The healing was restoring the boy, but it also restored the whole family. It restored that community. In a household, especially a royal official, we're not just talking about immediate family. We're talking about the people who worked for the household, those surrounding. God brings full transformation. That's good, right? Okay, so, so far in this story, let me recap for you. So far in this story, we've learned Jesus is pretty awesome, right? Jesus is pretty awesome. The second thing, God can do anything. Do we, do we believe that? God can do anything, even outside of natural law. And Jesus, this is the third thing, and Jesus' healing is transformation now, but it's also being made whole and it's an eternal transformation. Are you still with me? Great. We're tracking well. Give, you, give the person next to you a pat on the back saying, you're, you're doing well. Keep up. This is, this is good news. Yeah, that's good. All right. There's one other thing that I want to look at from this story. Uh, that helps us to understand it a little bit better. And that's the context of where this story sits in John and what John is pointing to a bit bigger than just this one story. There are two stories before this. Uh, There's stories you you may know, and I'll, I'll give a very brief recap. There are two stories where Jesus has one-on-one encounters with people. So in John 3, uh, it starts with Nicodemus. Have you heard the name Nicodemus? Nicodemus, who is a religious leader. He's a Pharisee, a guy who upkeeps God's law to the letter. (laughs) He's very particular about it. But he is a Jew who was a prominent figure. And he met with Jesus one-on-one, and he was asking Jesus about being born again and eternal life. Yeah? He asked, how can I be born again? What do you mean by that? But, but one-on-one, religious figure, guy who's done everything right, upheld in community. John 4 then, Jesus is in a different location. He's in Samaria now. And we know the story of the Samaritan woman by the well. Jesus meets a woman who was outcasted, who... Uh, to the Jews, a despised Samaritan. She had a reputation in her town. And we find out that Jesus meets with her one-on-one and she finds out about the living water that Jesus brings, right? The eternal life that Jesus can give. And then we have this story. A man who is an official for the king, probably for the king, uh, who lives in Capernaum, 
Uh, a man who is rich, a man who owns property, uh, a man who has servants and someone, maybe even the Galileans, the current crowd, maybe wouldn't have liked or associated with. Someone who was in upper echelons. Uh, and he meets Jesus and he sees his son healed and his family and his household given eternal life. Three stories. Three encounters with Jesus, eternal life being the theme of the three. But did you notice in the three stories that we have three very different people? Three different stations of life, three different stations in society. They meet Jesus and Jesus makes the same offer of life, the same offer of transformation for whoever believes. For whoever believes. Can I tell you this morning, the story is the same. Jesus, incredible, awesome, powerful Jesus, who can do anything, the natural, the supernatural. Jesus, who is all about complete transformation for now and for eternity, is offering you abundant life. Complete abundant life, no matter what your station in life is, no matter your gender, no matter what family you came from. He's actually, the invitation is no matter what you believe right now, He is asking and He is inviting you to a full life. This morning, and I'm going to get Dan to come and play. The, the invite is really simple. Do you need healing? Do you need healing? When I say healing, and when, when we usually talk about this, and when we pray, we, we think predominantly physical. I don't know if that's where your mind goes to. It definitely does for me. Is there a physical ailment at the moment that we should be praying for healing? And the answer is yes. Let's pray for those things. But we also know that some of us go through times where our mind gets in some dark places, where actually mentally we... We need healing. Our mental health is low. Can I tell you, we have a God who can heal our minds, who can transform our thinking. But it goes further than that. Holistic restoration. We have a God who is offering full healing to whosoever might ask, for whosoever might believe that might have that little bit of faith enough to ask our powerful God. This morning, I don't know how you've come here. I, I don't know what kind of state you're in. I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know what news you've heard this week. But do you need to be made whole? We have a God who can do that, don't we? A God who can make us whole, who can restore us, who can change our whole story. 
I um this invite is is personal for you for sure. And, and we're gonna have a time of of prayer, a, a real time of believing and, and praying for each other. But this story is a little bit different, isn't it? Because the son didn't come to Jesus asking for healing. It was the father's prayer for his son that saw the son healed. Do you have family? Do you have friends? Do you have neighbours? Or do you have work friends or colleagues that you need to contend for this morning? Do you have the faith to ask God for full restoration for your family and friends too? I know this, it's kind of a bit weird. We're like, people have free will, God. You know, like like we talk about that. But in this story, the official asked Jesus to pray for his son and his son was healed. Are we willing to intercede for our friends and family this morning as well? The official, he believed enough to ask, didn't he? He went to Jesus, he asked. This is the bit I find a little bit incredible. He believed enough to act. Do you know if it was me and I went to ask Jesus, can you heal my son? I wouldn't leave Jesus' side until he had come to my house and maybe laid hands on Jesus. Like I would have been a real pain and been like, But how's the official? Jesus says, it is done. Your son lives. The official had the faith to head home, didn't he? He left knowing if Jesus said it, I'm believing it. I'm going to live and believe it. And then the official believed enough to announce to his family the good news of Jesus. To announce the healing to his family. This morning, we're asking for the first step. Do you believe enough to ask? The words that we've sung, what a a wonderful name. There, There is no name that compares to Jesus. Are you willing to ask? Do you believe enough to ask for healing in your own life, to be made whole, restored fully, not just for now, but for eternity, not for a temporary healing, but for a for an forever healing? Are you also willing to bring family and friends? I believe we have a God who can do it. We're going to remind ourselves again and we, we are going to sing a song that we've sung many, many times. Can we not miss what we're singing though? Jesus, what a, what a beautiful name. There is none that compares. You have, are, your name, Jesus, brings healing. There is power in your name. This morning, God, we sit before you knowing that you are incredible that You are holy, that You are God, that You can do what seems impossible, that You are above natural law. And we ask in faith for healing, Jesus, that we may be restored, made whole. 
God, I pray physically for the people in this room. I ask for physical healing in the name of Jesus. A name that has power. A name that has overcome the world. And the name who has risen from the dead. God, we also pray for the minds of everybody in here. God, there are struggles, there are times where the world seems a bit dark. There are sometimes these looping thoughts that go in our head. We ask, Holy Spirit, that You transform our minds, that You renew our minds, that You bring complete healing to our thoughts and our thought patterns. And God, we pray and bring forward our friends and our family and we ask for full restoration in and through the Name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank You that You minister, that You do the work. We just pray that we leave here different, transformed. 